How's it going? Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. We talk with musicians about songwriting, music making, and the creative process. My name is Mike, and our guest this time is Toronto-based musician and songwriter Abigail LaPelle. Abigail is the latest of our guests from Canada. Previous episodes have featured Jeremy Albino, The Small Glories, Boy Golden, some great sounds coming from our neighbors to the north. I look forward to discovering more. Abigail released a great new album, Stolen Time, earlier this year, and she was kind enough to spend some time with us talking about it and about her creative process. So Abigail LaPelle is an extremely gifted songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. She plays the guitar, piano, harmonica, accordion, among other things, and she has a wonderful voice she uses in interesting ways. She has won two Canadian Folk Music Awards, one for Songwriter of the Year and one for Contemporary Album of the Year, and has reached number one on the Canadian Folk Charts. In our conversation, however, Abigail was relentlessly humble, continuously downplaying her remarkable talents. She talks about never taking guitar lessons and getting a Guitar for Dummies book during quarantine. Meanwhile, she plays an intricate and precise finger style on the guitar, uniquely suiting her songs. Abigail claims to struggle to write lyrics, but her words wonderfully evoke the imagery of her music. And as we talk about the song, I See Music, we find that on this song, where she purposely focused on lyrics first, she came up with a brilliant extended metaphor that uses the language of music itself to express her feelings about a relationship. I did find it fascinating to hear Abigail talk about some of her difficulties in putting words to some of her music, she finds language to be limiting and often inadequate to express the feelings her melodies are portraying. As she says, words are, quote, very definite. Clearly, Abigail is a remarkable talent and a humble critic of her own abilities. I suggest you listen to her music yourself, and I predict you will lose yourself in the powerful and often haunting soundscapes she creates. So check out her music, particularly her recent album, Stolen Time. And now, please enjoy our Tell You What discussion with Abigail LaPelle. Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. Sure. I am currently in the Tell You What Epiplex here in the uh, metropolis of Evanston, Illinois, in the United States. You just told me that you were in the wilds of Nova Scotia. Is that correct? Yeah, just outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, in beautiful Mahone Bay. I heard some dogs in the background. We have a rural yeah. setting. Yeah, there's a lot of birds. I'm from Toronto, but I'm here on tour, and it's just, it's really nice to be out of the city and surrounded by forests. Sounds lovely. So your excellent new record, Stolen Time, has been out for a short bit. How does it feel to be out on the road and playing these songs for real people? It's really good, but it's it's weird after such a long pause. Yeah. And so it's been kind of a, an adjustment getting back, yeah, getting back into it, um, I feel like it's yeah, it's it's really really great to be to be back at shows. Um, it's like a lot of um, how can you, how can I say it? Like 
just like being social is feels very weird. Right. Um, li- living in Toronto. I don't know what it's like where you are, but we were very locked down for a lot of the last couple of years. Like all, all uh, venues were closed at one point or another. And so, yeah, it's been really interesting and, and mostly really great to be getting back. But yeah, it's a bit of a learning curve getting used to it. I'll bet. Do you find that your relationships to your songs changes over time? Like as you finally get out and play them for real people, do the stories sometimes change for you? Totally. I mean, one thing I would say is like the the record that I just released in April, I haven't played a lot of those songs live at all before. So, um, And you wrote them some time ago. I, a lot of it was written during the pandemic. So like 2020, right. early in the year. And then I recorded in... Yeah, 20, what even, what year is it now? I don't Um, even know. I don't, nobody knows. But it's like, (laughs) just all that to say, a lot of the tunes were written when I was not performing live. So normally I would like have a pretty long process of like workshopping stuff with the band and sort of road testing the new songs live. And in this case, that almost none of the songs have I played live before. And I'm sort of figuring out different configurations like we're doing the tour that i'm doing now it's some of it is with the full band and some of them are like solo shows or or shows as a duo so i'm just trying to figure out like how do i even how do i even make a set list like i don't have my kind of usual um you know ways of relating to the songs like knowing which is a good tune to like open or close a set and so just that kind of the the math of that has been really interesting and Anyways, I don't know if that answers the question, but it's, yeah. it's been like different relating to the songs as live performance rather than um, in the studio, because normally it would be the other way around, I think. Right. And so in the past, you would have played a lot of these songs live even before you went and recorded them. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that maybe that would have influenced what went on the records? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would be based on, yeah, kind of calling material and putting it together yeah so this was a completely different experience totally different it's also I, I didn't think about this but i i've gotten a lot of feedback like this record is pretty down tempo it's a bit more mellow and again i didn't plan it that way but i was wondering is it because i was writing so much in isolation and not really as much i mean the band there's a band playing on the songs but a lot of it was written as like um, in these sort of very mellow, isolated days. And so yeah. I feel like maybe that's reflected. In- All right, so let's back up a little bit. Let's get into your background, maybe your early years and some music that maybe you remember from your home or community that perhaps influences what you are creating now. You grew up in the Toronto area, right? That's right. So are, is there music that you remember from your youth that maybe is, is in there somewhere, part of your process now? I feel like as a kid, I listened to a lot of like old records that I would that I would find. Like I listened to a lot of, I don't know, like the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel. I just always liked. That's not very Toronto specific, but yeah. I just always liked things that had a lot of harmonies. But there, yeah, there were. I mean, a lot of great bands from Toronto. I listened to one of my favorite bands was the Lowest of the Low, as a teenager. Um, and then the Lowest I of the play, Low. The Lowest of the Low, yeah. yeah. Um, hometown heroes and i ended up playing a show with them like at one point later in (laughs) my life and it was like a big big thrill for a toronto gal yeah so 
what, what was your first instrument? When did you first start making music? Um, I guess I always like I love to sing. Yeah. And I definitely was always singing as a kid and writing songs, like as long as I can remember, really. Um, so, I like started... three years old, you were writing your own tunes? Yeah, exactly. Like just kind yeah. of classic jams about <laughs> a lot of bangers what? about i wrote a song about getting dressed that was a very popular yeah. song in my family <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> um Brushing i your definitely teeth. yeah exactly all the all the sort of relatable content i am um, yeah all the hits i did piano lessons i guess and i didn't really like it so i didn't do it for very long but i did do yeah, a little bit of like maybe a year of piano and my mother actually was a pianist Oh, okay. Um, she played for dance classes. So there's always music around and like... So you played for about a year, but your mother, who played the piano, let you quit. Yeah, she was pretty chill about it. She was actually very... I think because she had taught piano and she'd seen a lot of horror stories of like people forcing their kids to do lessons when they didn't want to. And like that old school, like she had, you know, like the classic piano teacher that hits your hand with a ruler when you make a mistake. And so she was very like adamant that we did not have to do it if we didn't want to and it was like only so yeah it was not a big deal at all when I quit but it I guess maybe like learning a language like having that foundation at a young age even though I didn't I don't even know if I made it past like grade one or two piano but having a bit in there something's in there yeah and just a little bit of literacy like I know I've never studied music formally but I can like I can read a little bit and I, and I sort of, yeah, have that, have that base as, and I do remember my mom always said piano is a good instrument f- for that because it's like, it makes sense visually. Like as a guitar player, I don't really understand like what, you know, what the relate, like you can't really see as intuitively what a scale is, you know, yes. or what the relationship is with between different intervals. Whereas piano is kind of laid out in black and white. So you were always singing, but you at some point you reached for an instrument on your own. Was it the guitar? Yeah, I found a guitar in our basement that I think, I think it must have been my brother's. He probably got it at like a junk sale. It was like held together with duct tape. Yeah. And, and I named my guitar Dylan after my hero at the time, Bob Dylan. I think I was <laughs> probably 11 or 12 when I started playing guitar, but okay. I didn't have any, I didn't even have like a book with chords. I would just play the strings somehow I guess I figured out how to tune it but I would just like literally make up chords because I didn't have any and like there wasn't there was no YouTube in those days and so I was kind of on my own and so have you never taken lessons on the guitar no I've never taken lessons um, I mean you have a distinctive finger picking style and that's just something you've picked up on your own yeah exactly and I now that I'm older I'm a little more interested in in brushing up, like during that was one of my pandemic projects. Was I just got some books from the library on like I didn't get very far in this book, but I got like <laughs> I think it's called I think it was guitar exercises for dummies, and it was just to learn like some basic scales and warm ups and things. Um, just because I liked having the routine, like something that I could do consistently every day, even if I didn't feel like super yeah. inspired. So I've like started getting more interested in kind of self-teaching some some theory and yeah I've always been self-taught and even piano like because I sort of kept playing but I would just play you know what I felt like I never really studied it beyond that I, I sang in choirs too actually like I've never studied 
vocals or, or anything or like taking vocal lessons, but but I always sang in, in choir, so I was really into like singing harmonies and right. So when you moved on from the brushing the teeth and the, and the making breakfast songs, you had the guitar, <laughs> and were you was it a continual process of writing songs once you picked up the guitar? You started writing with your instruments. Yeah, exactly. I just. I just would uh, accompany myself on guitar, and I guess that was what I loved about the guitar, was I felt like, I remember the feeling like, yeah, my ambition was only just to be good enough to be able to accompany myself singing, and, um, but it's so easy to, like, take with you places, and I would bring to school, and probably annoy the hell out of everyone playing my little songs. (laughs) And were you performing in public at this point in high school? Yeah, a little bit. I think I played at, um, actually I dropped out of high school very, at a very young age, but I remember before I dropped out, we had like a talent show at one of the schools I went to and I played a tragically hip song. There's another Ontario, Canada connection. Um, yeah, I played this tragically hip song called Wheat Kings at my high school talent show, which was, which was mostly like (laughs) probably hip-hop and, like, R&B-based performances. <laughs> and then I did my, like, sad lady version of Tragedy Hip Song. It's pretty cool. So when did you start performing songs of your own in public? I guess it depends what is meant by public, but I feel like I always wrote songs. Of, like, I would, like, play my songs from my class or whatever. And yeah, I remember doing a song, actually, at summer camp. I think I just always liked attention. So I would always, but like not, not the kind of attention where you have to actually interact with people and like talk to them. So yes. it's a good, it's a good fit for like an introverted person that wants like attention. Um, yes. I feel like that's where I was coming from. But I, so with that said, yeah, I definitely remember doing summer camp, like playing one of my super sad, very sad songs. I mean, I guess I still, still do. Yeah, I think I would just play my songs for whoever would would listen. And I always wrote songs, so I started doing open mics probably in my teens, like late teens, and I would go to Kensington Market in Toronto and play at Graffiti's open stage, and just I was just so nervous I could hardly even breathe, but I would still do it anyway. <laughs> but at some point you decided that maybe you could pursue this as a vocation of sorts, right? How did that come to you? Um, not until pretty, like, late in in life, really. Like, the last couple of records started getting a bit more attention, and it's kind of only been in that, yeah, like, in the la- in that time frame that I've started more so doing, making music kind of as a full-time career. And But before that, I just, I always played in bands. I lived in Montreal for a lot of years, so I always just kind of worked many jobs and, like, went to school part-time and played in bands and I didn't I didn't really think of it as a sort of career yeah until more recently I guess but it was always a part of it was always a big part of my life kind of in the either in the background or like that or other things were in the background and well we the listening public are grateful that you've now decided you can do this for a career well (laughs) so thank you I mean it's yeah it's been a lot of good luck yeah Let's talk about your process a little bit. It sounds like this has always been something that's been part of your life, writing ditties, as you said. But now that you are approaching it more seriously and devoting more of your time to it, do you have a regular practice? 
of writing? Do you have a daily practice? Does it come in streaks or is it just when you have an inspiration? How are the songs coming out? Well, I really try to have a daily practice and it's, it's challenging. I think ironically it was easier in the past when I just had like a job and then I would spend all my free time working on music. Whereas now, yeah, now I'm like, basically it's like running a small business and I don't have a lot of time. It's like a lot of time for admin work and not so much writing. But so, so all that to say like. Plus touring, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Being on the road and, and I'm do and I'm self managed. So it's a lot of like, it's a lot of desk work, but I love right. the idea of having a daily thing. Like I was, again, during the, the last couple of years, I was getting a lot better at, um, yeah, just making time. I like to sort of write songs while I'm just walking, like walking around in right. nature. And you, I, you can probably hear that in the lyrics a little bit, but um, I definitely, maybe what you said about streaks, like I'll go on like a several week long tear where all I want to do is write songs of, I tend to sort of not finish things, I guess. I tend to start a lot. Like, I can sit down at any given moment and start, like, five brand new songs from scratch and then never come back to them. So that's kind of what I've been trying to focus on more is, like, keeping a little better inventory and actually going, circling back to to finish things and work on lyrics, which I never, uh, which doesn't come very naturally. Whereas writing a melody is, like, it's like breathing. Like, I, I can't really avoid avoid it, but then actually finishing something, writing words, um, kind of finalizing the arrangements and stuff. And that often doesn't even really happen until I have to kind of go into the studio and lock it in. So when the melodies, you say the melodies are coming to you easily, are sometimes bits of lyric attached to them or is it a melody and then you have to say, okay, what what am I going to sing over this? Yeah, more so the latter, like Maybe little scraps of words, but like nonsensical ones. So then I yeah. feel like I have to go back and like translate it into something that will make sense. But or kind of or gibberish. Like I'll have a certain syllable or a certain you know phrase that goes with whatever the music. But I don't necessarily have like you know a narrative. Like I would I never would write lyrics and then set it to music. So yeah, definitely kind of melody first. So when you have the gibberish or a couple of words or something, do you think that the words are there in your head and you just haven't found them yet? Or you basic, do you think it's just starting over from scratch when you sit down to write the actual lyric? I think that... Oh, that's a good question. I think there's like a right words. And if it's not right, it, I will know it. Like Yeah. It's not to say that it's like natural. I just, I just will know if it's wrong. I think, and then the right thing will sound right. Because I feel like with the gibberish, it's like, for example, I want like a long A sound on this trill or like whatever it is. It'll be something really specific, and it doesn't necessarily make sense. So it's, it's really frustrating to put words. Plus, it just locks in a meaning where I'm not always happy with like coming right out and saying something when it, it originates more as like a mood or a feeling. And then, and then words to me are like very definite and sometimes it'll sound like really cheesy or it'll, so yeah, I don't know, actually it's a good question. And I think it yeah. depends on the two. I don't want to, I don't want to break the magic in any way for you. I wish I could kind of break it apart and see like, and like I said, yeah. I'm not very disciplined until recently. I never wrote, lyrics down actually I would just sing them and 
because it's so auditory for me. So I wouldn't like, and I would just kind of remember them, I guess, or I would, or I record it like on, you know, okay. just make like a rough recording and, and remember it that way. But, but I've really been trying more to think about lyrics and like actually write them out and, and instead of just getting frustrated, you like kind of stick with, uh, I guess like any writer, like you just have to sort of push, push through the blank page and like come up with something and then, and then tweak it. And yeah, I've become a little more, I guess my process has, has come to involve more of that, that type of yeah. writerly things. But whatever you're doing so far is working. I hope, uh, I'm not gonna, <laughs> oh, thank you. Not, <laughs> I yeah. was not fishing for compliments, but I'll take it. <laughs> Um, so, as mentioned, you are a multi-instrumentalist, right? Piano, guitar, among other things. Can we talk about the place of these various instruments in your creative process? Are you sitting down to write sometimes with guitar, sometimes with piano? And and maybe are there different songs coming from the different instruments, different types of songs? Yeah, exactly. Like, I definitely feel like there's those different instruments have different songs in them, it feels like. Even yeah. a different guitar, like acoustic versus electric, or or a particular guitar compared to another one, um, feels like it kind of has a certain a certain thing inside it. That <laughs> do you sometimes start a song on one instrument and decide no, like piano, and say I'm going to try this now on guitar and see how it sounds, or is it usually straight through one one instrument from the beginning? Um. I would say usually straight through as far as writing it, but then I might like, I might write a different arrangement. Like I, for example, I often tour with, without a piano or keyboard. So right. if I, if there's something, there's a few songs where it's like in my heart, it's a piano song, but I'll kind of write a guitar version of it and stuff. And that can be really fun too. Sometimes I've started playing accordion in the last few years and I feel like I'm too, I can't really play it in public. I've, I have done so a few times, but one of the tunes on the new record, Pines is the name of the song and it's on piano, but I yep. think I, st- I might've started writing it on an accordion or at least I was kind of switching back and forth. I mean, obviously there's a lot of similarities, but that was yeah. one where I thought, Oh, if I could, if I could just like practice and come up with a good arrangement and I play accordion. There's also, too. there's also, if I'm correct, a big harmonica part in that song, which is kind of, accordion-ish yeah right? exactly and there's so i and i did now that i'm saying this i did play the accordion on the recording as well in the studio so my vision was that that last there's like the last kind of instrumental verse i was like i want it to sound like a wall of reeds i want to just like because i think i doubled yeah. like it was at least two or three harmonicas doubled and then like all this accordion. I was like, I just want a big wall of reeds like that hits you in the face. That was my vision for that song. It's very reedy. And my voice kind of is a bit reedy. So I feel like I love singing with the accordion because it kind of sounds like um, there's a similar timbre actually. Yeah. So, all right, you brought us to this song, Pines. Let's, let's talk about this one a little bit more. We'll jump ahead for a minute here. It's a beautiful song. An excellent and creative arrangement. It makes me feel like you are taking us along on this wonderful walk in nature, right? And I talked about the harmonica. There's a musical break where the piano is playing like a really low part and a really high melody and the harmonica kind of comes in between. I think it's it's great. Um, on this podcast, we focus, I say that we focus on songwriting, but it's really about the creative process. And you kind of touched on this earlier about getting into the studio to finish your songs. 
people talk about songwriting as the creative part, but really there's this blurred line between writing the song and choosing the production, choosing the arrangements, which instruments are on the song, right? And a lot of these decisions are made in the studio. There's a very long-winded introduction to ask you to talk about this song and maybe about how the choices you make creatively are not just about the chords or the lyrics or the melody, but about the arrangements and how you make the song sound in the end. Yeah, well, I already mentioned the wall of reeds, so that, yes. <laughs> that was my big, my big innovation with this one. But I definitely wrote this song in particular, and I think a lot of the ones on this record, I, because I was alone at home a lot of the time, um, I wrote the song up at the Banff Center, where I was really lucky to do some to be doing a songwriting retreat, um, and I and I had this beautiful piano in my little studio, um, so it was like very kind of as we were talking about, I was very inspired by that specific instrument and and then the environment, like I was up in the mountains, in the Rocky Mountains in in Alberta, Canada. And so just to say that was kind of the origin of the song and I like I said, I was kind of trying it on accordion and, and playing it on piano and um it's just like a very simple melody. So when I got home I was recording like demos for the album and I think the arrangement on my home recording is pretty similar to what you hear on the finished thing, which which is not always the case, but I just, I mean, part of it was like that thing, like I was just alone and using what I had in my house, which is like, a, you know, a piano and an accordion and, and then me singing like all these layers of harmonies and then a harmonica. Right. Yeah, it was really cool kind of putting those pieces together. And then I wanted this. I think that's why I brought in the, the accordion because I wanted kind of this build at the end. It's a very re- repeating structure to the song. Um, so I wanted kind of each verse to like build a little bit, like a little, you know, extra harmony comes in and it's it's pretty subtle, but it's kind of, yeah, building to a bit of a climax thing. and And so... I really love how it turned out. Like I, I keep saying this wall of reeds comment, yeah. but I just wanted it to be that because it's so, it's that sort of a delicate song. And I wanted to end with this kind of blast and, and that reedy kind of, yeah, it's sort of woodsy, I guess, cause it's sort of a song about being in the woods and um, it's, yeah, it's cool when those things can kind of come together when the, the lyrics and the melody and sort of the arrangement can be complimentary like that and it's I don't know it's just really simple and I think that was part of too I was kind of proud of that like you can sometimes have the temptation like you know we could have gotten in like a big horn section or something gone really big with it but I feel like I wanted it to be big but like in an intimate way that I would that I could actually you know parts that I would play just like as a live performance so so yeah that's one of my favorite ones on the record
where you thank the Ontario Arts Council for supporting your work on this particular song, right? Um, for the for the album, yeah. For the album, okay. I, I, I'd like you to talk about this a little bit. I think our American listeners would be interested to hear about how your country, Canada, supports the arts, something that doesn't happen here very much. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a touchy, not that it's a touchy subject, but like even earlier when I said something about you know, do making music full time and pursuing an arts career full time. Like a lot of that among, you know, myself and my colleagues, a lot of that is because we're lucky enough to get, um, funding like government funding. I mean, it's not, you're not going to be like independently wealthy from arts grants, but it gives you often funding to, for example, yeah, towards the cost of recording and, um, to like sometimes you can get uh support for like travel and that said I sometimes think I was at South by Southwest in the in like yeah this past winter for the first time and I was chatting with some American friends and they were like is it true your government like pays you to come here and I was like well it's not not true but it's (laughs) but it's also like it, it, it can be very competitive like you're not getting you know a big giant novelty check from the government, you're sort of applying year after year and getting a lot of rejections, and then eventually you might get a bit of a bit of funding um, yes. again to support a specific project. So anyway, all that said, this album, yeah, I was really lucky to get some uh, provincial, which is like Ontario's, like the state level, and then um, yeah, and some federal funding too, actually, and yeah, it really makes a difference. I mean. I, I, I've been at South by Southwest a number of times and some other festivals where I meet artists from other countries, the UK and those countries and Canada, and a lot of them are there because of the support of their arts councils. And I think it's a great thing that maybe we could take a lesson from here. So thanks for talking about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I will say this too, because part of the mandate of it is to export. It's, you know, the thing like we're a small country and we're like yeah. our neighbor is this big cultural dominant cultural force so it's the idea of like export specifically creating canadian cultural products to export to other markets mm-hmm. and um it's really interesting because it's in all art sectors too like for for film and and uh tv and and other industries you know not just arts so it's it's yeah. just funny to th- how that economic like bigger picture kind of trickles down to uh to a humble folk singer from toronto <laughs> I find it very, very interesting. And yeah, it's, it's, expo- it's exposed me to a lot of great music. So I'm grateful to all of you and all of your country people and mm-hmm. similar countries that do that. Let's talk about this album, Stolen Time. The overall sound of this record has a consistent vibe. You've talked about how it's maybe a quieter record, but it the, the actual recording of it sounds thoughtful and measured. And at the same time, there seems to be a live feel to the actual performances themselves that are recorded. Was this something you were after on this record? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a bit of a different process than previous projects that I'd done. And I really wanted, yeah, like you said, a bit more of a live feel. We recorded the songs live off the floor and there was like no click tracks and no I mean, I won't, I won't say no isolation because we were pretty close to being all in the same room. Like the drummer and bass player were in yeah. the same room together. And, um, and then I was kind of off in a little, 
cubby where I could see everyone. And so anyway, that was really cool. Um, I can't claim that it was all like, that they're all like, you know, a single live take. Like I definitely am vain and wanted to do some editing. Um, of, of, <laughs> well, there's a lot of vocal layering for one thing. And there's right? a lot of vocal layering. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, the actual performance, like, you know, we might've taken like a verse from take one and a chorus from take three, but the, the sort yeah. of whole, whole band as a, as a slice or whatever. Um, so that was a really fun process and it was really, um, yeah, I really appreciated the producer that I was working with. Howard Billerman, uh, is very, um, I don't know. I don't want to say old school, but his kind of attitude is like, excuse me, that's how all the great records that you hear, like that's how they were made. So, you know, if it was good enough, good enough for them. Yeah. Well, it comes across very well. I think you did a great job, um, on that aspect. Let's talk about some of these songs, if we can. We already talked about one. And we'll talk about the song Land of Plenty. Some echoes of Woody Guthrie here, a tale of immigrants, refugees, old and new, right? Mm -hmm. I like that it has this old sound to it, the haunting accordion, kind of a timeless quality here that I think is great. I think I read that you have said this is one of your favorite songs you have come up with, right? If it was my favorite song, that's interesting. I think it was one, I didn't think too much of it because it's so simple. And when I first yeah. wrote it, I think I, I just, um, yeah, I guess it kind of grew on me over the years. I wrote it initially <laughs> when it was um, early in the Trump administration when the first Muslim ban happened. And I just remember being, you know, even being in, in Canada, we're so affected by the news in the U.S. and and that specifically was um, so heart wrenching, and it made me think about my whole family that had you know come over from Eastern Europe and and sort of uh, narrowly escaped, like they kind of came over before World War Two, and and a lot of my family died in the Holocaust, and I just remember thinking about that um, and and writing this song kind of loose, loosely inspired by. Yeah, by just that idea of, like, the sort of the hope, but also the hardship of that kind of a journey. Like, it's uh, it's kind of that ambivalent thing where it's, like, I, I mean, it's hard to even imagine taking a journey like that, starting a new life in a new world. And, and I think all that is kind of couched in, like I said, like, really simple and, yeah, very folk, folk-sounding song. Long is the road, long is the road, long is the road and narrow. Sleep, my love, till tomorrow. And dream of the land of plenty. talk about another one mm-hmm. ships interesting segue here from land of plenty we're kind of continuing a nautical theme right oh uh, that's true <laughs> yeah see had... but we have a much more powerful production on this one multiple vocal layers sax drums 
tension builds throughout the song. I really like how the vocals build with kind of a softer vocal approach, building the tension until we get to that key repeated line, how do you know, which is very delivered very kind of directly, right, forcefully. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, yeah, can you talk about this song and maybe about how you go about using your amazing vocal talents to deliver the message of the song? Well, I just love singing harmonies, like I said, and I and this song has a lot of, it's like a whole lot of me. Again, that thing too, like having maybe in past projects I would have brought in more guest vocalists, but because I was writing so much in isolation and just kind of recording at home, so I, I kind of wrote all these parts, and, and it's like a doubled vocal, and then there's like doubled harmonies, and there's probably like a big, it's probably like an octo vocal at certain parts, but um, the lyrics to me are, it's almost like a nursery rhyme. Like it's just kind of a rhymey sing song, not necessarily nonsense, but you know, like kind of like doggerel, like it's not, there's not necessarily a clear narrative. It's just kind of these like opposite things that rhyme and like, and then yeah, adding all the harmonies, I guess kind of just goes, goes with that. It's kind of this like rhythmic element that, Hmm. that comes in and, I think that maybe that's how I feel about, I don't know. I haven't thought about this. Like with harmonies, I think that's kind of what it is. Cause they're kind of, I don't know if syncopated is the right word, but they're kind of like counterpoint, counterpuntal. Is that a word? Like they're sort of off. There's like the main melody and then there's just kind of like a counter lines weaving in and out. So yeah. I mean, to... I'm nodding and pretending <laughs> I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that's why it's, I think that's a big part of what's so fun for me and like taking little, like little echoings or like rat, like around where it sort of repeats a line like yeah. in that canon. And I just find that so fun. It's just like candy to, to me, to my ears. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that song is like, I don't know, it's not really about, I guess it's kind of about like a, you know, like an on again, off again, like that that ambivalent thing of not not knowing if you should if you should leave or stay forever with someone and right that's like the that's like the only banger on the record it's i again i didn't <laughs> i didn't think about it till later but i was like this is just like twice as fast and upbeat as anything else so anyway it's yeah. fun to have it on there <laughs> we can you were talking about not ever having had formal training you sang in choirs but you have an interesting style so when you were younger and developing your style 
Were you listening to certain artists? Were there traditional vocal techniques you were modeling it after? Or was it just kind of an organic thing that developed it the more you sang? Were there certain people you were listening to, I guess, is part of that question? Yeah, I listened to a lot of Sinead O'Connor. Aha. And and I guess now... I do hear a little bit. There's a little (laughs) bit to that when when I hear you, yes. Well, and now I think, I guess it's... um, there's that sort of traditional Irish vocal sort of style. I think it's called. I mean, that's Sean what she based Nose. a lot of. Her, yeah, exactly. Um, but that's sort of yeah, stylized like little trills and stuff. I just always loved that, and so I kind of like later got more interested in in like yeah, kind of traditional ballads, and and sort of at some point discovered like Sandy Denny and a lot of electric folk from from the sixties and seventies, but. I listened to a lot of Cat Power as a young person mm-hmm. and was very moved by her voice. And I, I still am, actually. I mean, it's just very... It's not similar to my voice, but it's just like a very vulnerable and raw way of singing. But that's also like so beautiful and kind of haunting. And uh, I want to get to the song, I See Music. This might be my favorite song from the album. It's hard to choose. I've said this before. I love a good musical metaphor that is one that uses the language of music itself as a device. In fact, the title of this record, Stolen Time, I believe is a musical term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in this song, I see music. First of all, the initial verse basically describes synesthesia, right? Where one experiences one sense through another, like colors with words. Here you talk about seeing music. Do you experience this? No, uh, but that was a good okay. description of what I th- understand that it that it is. I don't. I'm not a <laughs> a, synes, a synesthete, but I'm so interested in, yeah, like you said, the idea of of that, and then sort of metaphors that kind of play on that idea. Yeah, I love the lines. There is no danger in a major key, no harm in a harmony. It sounds so great, and <laughs> I can't believe no one's thought of this before. It's just a clever song all the way through, but you are using music and your experience of it as a metaphor for how you experience life, kind of, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, and sort of specifically like a love song a trope, like love, yes. because, yeah, I guess that's, I'm kind of interested in that thing of like, you know, that we don't really have the words for these, for emotions, say, and so... So you're always kind of translating it through different metaphors and and figures of speech and kind of imperfectly translating like from one sense to another kind of. Yeah. Well, it's a great song. And at the end, you kind of encourage us to lean into our synesthesia, right? With the line, listen for the light. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that I used the line of blinded by the sound. Okay. Earlier in the song, so it's kind of the kind of like a parallel. But this is a great example of what I was saying of like trying to get a little more into writing lyrics because this song actually I also wrote when I was on a writing retreat. But I was like sat down with a paper and pen and was like I, you know what I mean? Like I was very like as opposed to my usual way of writing, which is just to like see what sounds come out of my face. Yes. This was like all right, I I'm gonna like do something clever, but like hopefully not in an annoying way. And like, I really worked on like, like lyrics that were sort of coalesced around this theme and like making these little rhymes and kind of, um, 
Yeah. And so that, I feel like this is the first song, actually, as far as what I was just talking about, where I was like, I really want to actually write something that is a little more writerly. And um, yeah. so, yeah, this is one, I, I was proud of the lyrics of this one. So thank you yeah. for, for saying that. I've, I love the whole record, but I, I point out this is, I think, my favorite. So I would encourage you to keep trying that method because it definitely works for you. Are you um, like a big lover of of lyrics, like as a listener? Is that something you kind I mean, of prioritize? I, I like the whole experience of a song, but certainly clever lyrics and clever use of language is something that uh, I, I am attracted to. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a songwriting podcast. So right. Makes sense. Words are half. <laughs> or some portion of the song. But I, I, your other songs, the, the words are a beautiful part of the song itself, but I really like the theme you worked with here and, and strung along th- from start to finish. It was great. Cool. I see music when I close my eyes Spinning weeds color the fall and rise like a record round round till I am blinded by the you another question. I have gone deep in my research and I read something we need to dig into if this is in fact true. Have you gone on tour via bicycle and separately perhaps via canoe? Uh, yeah, that's correct. The Can we accurate. talk about this for a minute? Yeah, um, I, did a, <laughs> I did a tour that was bike powered and we actually had a bike powered PA system. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. We did like 10 cities between Toronto and Ottawa. So that's like 500 kilometers. I don't know how many miles that is, maybe. uh, So you rode the bicycles, and then when you got there, someone was riding the bicycle to power the equipment. Exactly. We would get audience members to come up and (laughs) and ride the bikes. They were mostly sort of like at, you know, band shells or like at a, you know, little amphitheaters in, in public parks like those kinds of those kinds of things um or like at a music festival so just to say they were mostly outdoor shows that were sort of all like family friendly so we would have like kids would come up and pedal the bike but they were it's like an on-demand power system so if someone you had to keep it between a certain you know voltage while you're pedaling and if you went below that the power would would cut out and our and our mics would turn off it's a lot of pressure for the audience member yeah, it was pretty funny, um, and it, that didn't happen too often, but that was a really fun tour. We did two years in a row, um, this, yeah, about about 10 days or two weeks or so, um, yeah. and then, so yeah, we had canoe. long tail cargo bikes, and then I did a tour by canoe that was, it started as a poetry tour. Actually, the original concept was they were going to do it on horseback, and they would call it the RCMP which would stand for Royal Canadian Mounted Poets. For those okay. that don't know, that's like what the Mounties are. It's like the yes. Mounted Police. Anyway, 
but they ended up, the horse thing didn't work out. So they decided to do it by canoe and they would bring along a musician each year that would come and, uh, come and play music at the poetry reading they did. And then it was towns along the Grand River in Ontario. So we would like pull our canoes off and, and do readings in towns or um, parks or things like that along the way. Um, yeah. And then we also did that another year um, with all musicians. And that was really fun. It was a lot of, <laughs> you don't, I mean, the bike thing, like biking is pretty slow compared to driving, but canoeing is like even, <laughs> even slower. You don't get It's a like lo- walking, basically. It's pretty much walking speed. Yeah. yeah. But you have all your <laughs> stuff with you. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting challenge. And we had definitely at least one time almost bailed with like all our instruments and, oh gosh. but yeah, it was very Canadian, uh, <laughs> kind of experience <laughs> paddling through the wilderness well, that's great first canoe tour story we've had on the podcast so thanks you for bringing that to us oh nice abigail i'm gonna let you go i just want to say congratulations on this excellent record i hope you are enjoying getting out and touring finally behind it um any plans to come back down to the u.s anytime this year um i'm playing at philly folk festival in august And then, yeah, I'm playing at a festival in Montana also this summer. So hopefully there'll be more U.S. dates coming up soon. And they can find that all information on your website. Yes. We all can find that on your website. Great. All right, Abigail, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now we're dancing underneath the neon moon Spinning my Silence of the darkest night. You can listen for the light. Just listen. 